Well, good morning. That was lame. Good morning. All right, much better. This is my last day at the summit. I speak this morning, I speak tonight, and I've got to tell you, it's been an absolute privilege to spend three days with you. It's been a powerful start to the week. God's been moving in and around the gatherings, and and I love hearing story after story for how he's working in the hearts and lives of people. He's transforming relationships. He's setting people free. He's lining hearts. I, I love it. I never get tired of it. It's why I do what I do. And if you missed any of the previous four conversations, you can get those on the podcast, but I want to tell you right now that today's going to be a little bit different. We're going to go real deep, real fast. The conversation's crucial, so it may feel a little heavy, but ultimately it's freeing. So if you've got a Bible, I'd love for you to grab it, and I invite you to track along with the number of different scriptures that we're using, but if you want to settle into one particular scripture, it's Ephesians chapter 6, so you can get there and hold and sit in that space, because that's where we're going to land. This, this whole summit conversation has been designed around helping us know the plan of God for our lives, to know his will, to live a life that Jesus described as a full life. It was in John 10, verse 10, that he said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So Jesus came, he lived, he died, he rose again so that you and I can live differently. So you and I can have a full life. That's why God sent him, that's why he came, and we want that kind of life. So we started our conversation at the beginning of the week around the alignment of our heart. To to, to really understand how we align our heart to the things of God. Because that's where it starts to know and do the will of God. And And we can't just move our heart because our heart wasn't created to lead. It was created to follow. And it follows what we value. It follows our treasure. So we got to move our treasure first. we got to align everything that we have and are to Jesus first. Then our heart comes into alignment. That night we took time to really begin to understand God's pattern for how he reveals himself to us. Because he loves us, we can know him. And when we know him, we love him. And when we love him, we trust him. And when we trust him, we obey him. And when we obey him, Jesus says he will show himself more to us. Now we know him more. And we know him more, we can love him more. When we love him more, we'll trust him more. When we trust him more, we obey him more. And we continue to love, trust, love, trust obey, and know, know, love, trust, and obey until we mess it up and we stop obeying. <laughs> and the very next day, we took time to really understand that We're not really positioned to decide anything, but to discern everything. When we we say, Jesus be my Lord, we predetermined to obey him, so now we're in a posture of discerning, which means we need to live where we listen and obey. And so we're trying to figure out how do we do that, how do we discern, and we use this metaphor of channel markers, and there's blue poles over there. They say internal, external, and concrete. When those three things align, that keeps us in the channel of God's will. His will is more a channel than a tightrope. But when we have the internal, external, and concrete realities line up, and we can only line up those poles and only see one, we can navigate the right part of the safe part of his channel in his will. The internal is the Holy Spirit working in us. When we're rightly related to God, we don't have overt sin in our life, then the Holy Spirit leads us internally. But then the Holy Spirit works in the lives of others who walk with him, therefore externally they speak into our life. So that's internal and external, and the concrete is where the Holy Spirit's working in this world to facilitate going ahead of us so that we can do the will of God. Internal, external, and concrete they got to be aligned. And last night, we took time to really understand the tension between certainty and uncertainty and how we navigate that as we risk, release, and respond. We want to know the will of God. We want to do the will of God. We just often don't know how. 
and we can get off track. And one of the ways that we get off track is described in Ephesians chapter 6. So let's get there. But I want you to understand that the person who wrote this was Paul. And Paul was a dude who got so far off outside the will of God at one point that he was killing Christians in the name of God. Until he encountered Jesus, and he got his heart aligned, and he learned what it means to live knowing, loving, trusting, and obeying. And everything changed. He became a missionary and church planter. He started to live life to the full. And here's what he wrote in Ephesians chapter 6, starting with verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. In his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. How's that for an encouraging statement? Maybe, maybe not. If you've never read that before, that can kind of sound a little ominous. There's this schemes and struggles and armor and spiritual forces. But the simple reality is we live in two worlds, the physical and the spiritual. The seen and the unseen. We talked a little bit about navigating the complexity of seen and unseen last night. But we live in two worlds, physical and spiritual. We're a soul with a body. We can't separate them. It is physical and spiritual. When we mistakenly label the physical as the real world and the spiritual as something else, we disregard it as a whole, we set ourselves up. Because they're both very real, they're just very different. And if we don't understand that, we're more vulnerable in the spiritual world and the physical world. Because in the spiritual world, we have opposition. And that opposition affects both the spiritual and the physical. We have an opponent. We have an an enemy in the equation. There's someone who seeks to make sure we do not live the will of God. He tries to derail us. And it's not because he cares about us. He could give a rip about us. He hates God. He wants to hurt the heart of God. So he messes with us. We know him by several names, Satan, Lucifer, the devil. He's an enemy of God. And far too often, we underestimate his activity while overestimating our own ability to stand in the spiritual battle. Because it's in the name of Jesus, it's in the power of Jesus that we stand. And the battle's very real. But we can't fight a battle we don't believe exists. And if you're sitting there going, Sean, I'm not sure about this, I'm not sure I buy into this. Listen, you can't fight the battle if you don't believe it exists. And Jesus is very clear that it does exist, and he helps us understand how we fight in it and how we stand, and after everything, stand. So the battle, hear me, the battle's very real, very real. And we often don't understand, though, the pattern of that battle or the realities of that spiritual struggle or what we call the spiritual battle. We're more likely, when we don't understand those things, to stumble in it. We can be vulnerable to it, and again, we don't fight and can't fight a battle we don't believe exists. So the battle exists. And if we're going to know and do the will of God, live life to the full, we need to know a few things about how it works. So here's what we want to do. So let's do this first. I need to clarify this. I want you to look at the people on your left. Go ahead and turn right now. Look at the people on your left. Okay, then turn and look at the people on the right. Turn and look at people around the room. Do you see your enemy? Let me help you with the answer to that question before you say it out loud. (laughs) No. (laughs) No, you do not. 
Listen, no one in this room is your enemy. Not even the person that's done the worst, most painful, unfair thing to you, even if perhaps it was yourself. They're not the enemy and you're not the enemy. Paul says our enemy is not against flesh and blood. It's against who? Come on, it's against who? Pick a name. There you go. Satan, devil, Lucifer. It's against him, and he's a deceiver. He is a deceiver. The Bible calls him the father of lies. He's a master of distorting and twisting truth, of planting ideas, of deceiving. And through his meddling, we can be tricked into certain thought patterns and often settle for less in life. So here's the bottom line. Most people never experience life to the full because they believe a lie. Most people never experience life to the full in Jesus because they believe a lie. They believe something that's not true. Now, it's not just that we're gullible. In fact, it can be, but most often that's not the reality. We, we have an enemy. He hates God. He wants to hurt the heart of God, and he tries to do it through us. So when we don't know it, we're more vulnerable to it. And just as God has a pattern, Satan has a pattern. And you need to know it. Because unlike God, who works in truth, Satan works in deception. And he works in lies. And he seeks to plan an idea to trick us into believing a lie. It's kind of like how somebody trains an elephant. You familiar with how you train an elephant? Let me explain it to you. The key is to get them to believe something. It's to get them to believe that they can't run away. So here's how you do it. It's a two-step process. First, you get a baby elephant. (laughs) And tie them to a heavy steel stake in the ground. That baby's going to try to get away. That elephant's going to pull and tug and try to break free, but it won't be able to. And it'll continue to do that until it gives up, loses hope in it, stops, quits trying to get free. And once he quits trying to get free, now you can take that huge metal stake and you can exchange it for a small wooden one. One that he could easily pull out of the ground if he ever tried, but he now believes a lie that he can't escape, so he won't even try. And Satan does a very similar real thing to us. Repositions us to get us to believe a lie. He tries to plant an idea, one that deceives us into believing that half-truth or flat-out lie, like we can't run away. Like we can't get free of our junk in life. That we are unworthy and worthless. That we're alone. And then we're stuck when we believe that lie. And then we step out of God's channel and plan for our life, his will, and we miss life to the full because we believed a lie. Now let me clarify a few things before we just go any further. I'm not talking today about demonic uh, oppression or, excuse me, I'm not talking about demonic possession. Not possession. That is a very real thing and a very different thing. I'm talking about a pattern, the pattern that he uses to mess with those who follow Jesus or those who are thinking about following Jesus. Outside of demonic possession, Satan does not have power to control believers. He doesn't control our minds or even know our thoughts. We can give him that, but he doesn't inherently have it. However, what he does have is an understanding. He's a very good predictor of human behavior. He's a master of it. 
He sees, he's watched us, he knows. He knows how to trick us. He's the father of lies. In fact, check out what Jesus said. This is from John chapter eight, verse 44. Jesus said, he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Those are the red letter words of Jesus. Believe him, people. Take him straight up. He is the father of lies. Satan is a liar, and deception is at the heart of his pattern. And those who miss living life to the fore often do that because they have believed a lie, which means the greatest threat to knowing and doing the will of God. Knowing and doing the will of the Father in heaven is embracing an idea from the Father of lies. He doesn't control minds and thoughts. He predicts behavior. And he knows what can distract us and trip us up. And he uses what I call the D's. D's. These are things like doubt, discouragement, despair, deception, delay, you name it. The D's are things that the, that the enemy uses. They are not things that God uses. God has different tools for leading his people. Satan uses the D's. Let me just walk down through them because he uses them to get, up, get us off track. Let me explain a few of them. Deception. Deception is his primary tool. He's the father of lies, so he seeks to get us to believe a half-truth or a flat-out lie. That's where he starts most often. But then there's the reality of doubt, where we question God's intent, his word, his goodness. He did that with Eve in Genesis chapter 3. He said, did God really say don't eat of the, tree, of the, free, the fruit of the trees in the garden? He just plants the seed of doubt in, rooted in a half-truth and a lie. Discouragement, despair, that causes us to look at our own problems rather than to look at God. That's where we go from dependence to independence. Diversion makes the wrong things seem attractive, and then we want them more than the right things. Defeat causes us to feel like a failure, so we don't even try. And delay, well, delay causes us us to put off something so it never gets started or completed. God doesn't use the Ds. Satan uses the Ds. And he uses the Ds to lead us other places. He starts with positioning us in dynamics and circumstances where we will embrace a D, but, his, but he doesn't stop there. His goal is not to leave us in a posture of just embracing a D. He wants to move us into other places. And one of the first places that we can move whenever we embrace a D, that half-truth or a lie, is into a posture or place of isolation. Isolation. This is where, this is where we think nobody cares. I am alone, and I'm better off alone. And it's a highly vulnerable place. Isolation, it's very different than solitude. Solitude is where we break away from busyness and life and relationships to chase God. Isolation is where we break away from those relationships because we think we're better off on our own. That's isolation, and it's a place of vulnerability. He doesn't just try to get us to move to isolation, though. If he can get us to brace a D, he will end up pushing us into a place of fear. Now, I'm not talking about holy reverent fear. I'm talking about that worry and anxiety fear, the afraid of what might happen, and that has no place in the life of a believer. But if Satan can get us to embrace a D, doubt, discouragement, despair, and lead us to a place of fear, he'll do it. Because in a place of fear, we don't risk. In a place of fear, we don't trust, and we don't place our dependence on God anymore. We pull back into independence. It's isolation and it's fear. But hang on, there's a third location that when we embrace a D, he tries to lead us to, and it's victim mentality. Victim mentality. I'm not talking about victimization. Listen, people, I have seen the pain and the hurt and the brokenness of people who have been victimized, and it breaks my heart. And it breaks the heart of God. But I'm not talking about victimization. I'm talking about victim mentality. 
an entitlement perspective, that we deserve something, that we're, we're owed something, that, that we didn't get enough recognition, that we didn't get enough honor. It's, it's placing focus on us, and it's placing our identity in our experiences and not in Jesus Christ. It's isolation, fear, or victim mentality. We can start in any one of these places. We, when we embrace a D, we automatically go to one of those three places. We can get pushed there, or we can run there because we think it makes sense. We think we need to go there. It's isolation, fear, and victim mentality that comes out of the Ds. And they reflect a self-focus that makes us vulnerable, which is why Satan seeks to facilitate it in our life. Embracing isolation, fear, and victim mentality seems noble. It seems honorable. It's like, I'm, I'm going to be strong alone. That's why I'm in isolation. I'm protecting myself. That's, I'm, af- I'm afraid of what might happen. I'm protecting myself. Or I'm just being careful so that I don't become a victim. But it's a pattern of the world and not of God. The whole cycle is self-focused, it's not Christ-focused, and it can be very subtle, and it's tricky because in the lie, we end up feeling justified in being more isolated, acting as a greater victim of embracing more fear. It's self-perpetuating, and Satan seeks to keep us in the cycle by pushing the Ds at us, but he's not just trying to keep us in one of these three places, he actually is trying to run us in a circuit, in a circle, where I'm, I'm alone, so I'm, af- I'm afraid of what might happen to me because I might be a victim. Or I've been a victim, so I'm afraid of what happened from before that's going to happen again, so I'm going to isolate myself from people. And he just runs us in the circle, back and forth, and sits us in a spot, pushing the Ds. And as long as we embrace the D, the half-truth or the lie, we're stuck. But listen, his ultimate play isn't to keep us running in that circle. His ultimate play is to run us in a spiral that's downward. where we get to the bottom of that cycle and he wants to play out the reality of kill or destroy. If he can get us to keep holding on to that D and keep us in isolation, fear, and victim mentality, we'll run that cycle down and down and down. Now again, I'm not, talking about, I'm not talking about reverent fear, I'm talking about anxious fear. I'm not talking about solitude, I'm talking about isolation, unhealthy disconnecting. I'm not talking about victimization, I'm talking about victim mentality, all rooted in a, in a half-truth and a lie. They make us vulnerable because it positions us where we can be attacked. Satan's a lion who prowls around. It's like being the lone wildebeest that leaves the pack. Don't ever do that. It's like being the guy with the red shirt on Star Trek who leaves the way team. Don't do that. We're more vulnerable. He prowls around looking for somebody to devour. We know that Peter wrote that. And, if, and I wonder, if you were the enemy, what deed would you use to trip you up? Doubt? Discouragement, despair, where are you most vulnerable today? This, this pattern can play out in any arena. It can play out in purity, it can play out in lust, it can play out in shame or guilt or worry or insecurity. Where does he attack you? It's possible that an area of struggle in your life right now is the result of a D from the enemy. God doesn't use that pattern. And Jesus understood that reality. That's why when he talked about coming, that we may have life and life to the full, he said something else right before that's really important. Back to John 10, verse 10. He said, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Who's the thief? Satan. Satan's the thief. And he comes to steal and to kill and destroy. He steals at the moment we embrace the deal. D, he steals truth from us. And then we end up in the cycle, in the downward spiral. And we've all experienced this. The attacks, the temptations, at some point we've all messed up. 
And truth is, I'd be embarrassed if you knew all of my mistakes and how I've messed up in that. Yet even though we've all fallen, we can come back from it. We've all wandered from God's pattern and fallen into this pattern that we're describing. And that creates a platform by which we spiral down. You see, his goal is to keep us off track. He steals the truth in our hearts and minds. We embrace isolation, fear, and a victim mentality. We spiral down and down until we reach kill and destroy. And that kill and destroy scenario plays out in self and others. Kill self. His ultimate play is suicide. He can't kill God. But if he can get the creation to kill the image of God, the image of the creator in it, just as good. If you ever bumped into somebody or even struggled yourself contemplating suicide, you back up that trail, you back up that path, you will find this process of isolation, fear, and victim mentality that leads back to a D based on a half truth and a half, or a flat out lie. When it comes to kill, it's directed towards self. And that can be self-defeating, doesn't have to lead to suicide, but it's that defeated where I just don't do anything more. The destroy part goes towards others. And that's where we harm and blame and remove. Because we're in this spiral, it stinks, sucks, and so we blame others for it. And we'll seek to harm them, blame them, or remove. We'll remove them from our community, we'll remove ourselves from our community. This is why many people leave the church. Because they believe a lie along the way, and now they're living outside of God's will and plan. They just leave. They remove. We're going to talk a lot more about this tonight. There's a, whole, there's a whole other layer to this conversation. Don't have time to get into it now. But the ultimate play is to kill and destroy. And we've all stumbled into this, but the beautiful thing is that God has made a way out for us to be restored to living life to the full, restored to his pattern. After Paul wrote that our battle's not against flesh and blood, he goes on to say this in verse 13. He says, therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. I want you to stand. I want you to be able to stand after everything stand. I don't want you to fall into this. The question becomes how. And it's good to be aware of the patterns, but that's not enough. Because we have to choose the pattern we follow and live by, and we need to repent and turn from the pattern like that that we have actually followed. Because anytime we fall into this, we have moved lordship in our relationship with God. He's no longer in charge, we're in charge. Or we've let the lie and the enemy influence us, and it's an issue of lordship and authority, so there's a repentance reality that has to take place in this journey. Isolation, fear, and victim mentality ultimately reflect a self-focus. It's dependence on self, not God. That makes us vulnerable. That's why Satan repeatedly asks and seeks to facilitate this cycle whenever he can. And we need to know how so we can stand against it because when we don't, we get stuck. So how do we stand against the lies and schemes? It's very simple. We stand against the lies and schemes in truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The word of God is true. Truth is what leads us out of this. If you're in this spiral, and you're spiraling down right now, and you, you've got isolation, fear, and victim mentality in your life, you may at some point be able to say, I'm, I'm just sick of it, I'm tired of it, and by sheer willpower and determination say, I'm not gonna be skirt, discouraged anymore, I'm not gonna be any more depressed, and you can hold. But you will never in your willpower and determination get out of that hole. You don't do it by willpower, you do it through truth, because you got into it through the lack of truth. 
Jesus is the truth. The word of God is truth. He's our example for everything. In fact, when Jesus was in the wilderness, he was tempted by Satan. Three times he was tempted by Satan. He responded every time with one thing. Do you know what it was? Scripture. The word of God. And if the son of God, in response to temptation, uses the word of God, we darn skippy better be doing the same thing. So let me give you a couple handholds for how to navigate truth. If you're in this cycle, you're already in this pattern because you need to know it. We need to lay hold of truth, grab hold of truth, we need to lay hold of Christ, and you need to write these down because if you don't have truth, you'll never get out of the cycle. We're talking about isolation. Hebrews 13 tells us, God says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Words of God. Jesus said, surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. We are not alone. You are not alone. He will never leave you, never forsake you. When it comes to fear, 2 Timothy 1.7, you've not been given a spirit of fear, but one of power and love and self-control. Not fear. And when it comes to this victim mentality, good grief. Read Romans 8. We're more than conquerors. In fact, let's start with verse 28, and we're going to skip to verse 37. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Verse 37. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Boom! Listen, I realize bad things happen to us. We get victimized. We experience pain. But that does not define who we are. Our identity is in our Lord Jesus Christ. And like him, we are more than conquerors. But when we don't understand that or understand the realities around this spiritual battle and the pattern of the enemy, we don't know the scriptures to keep us rooted in truth and not spiraling in the lie, we are far, far, far more vulnerable to this and likely to stumble into it. But John wrote in 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, that he who is in us is greater than he is in the world. And we can break out of this cycle of isolation, fear, and victim mentality by rejecting the lie and encountering it with truth. But I wonder where you're most vulnerable today. Let me go first. I am a natural introvert. I would rather walk in the back of this building, sit in the back row, talk to one person, and leave rather than get up front and talk to everybody. I struggle with deep insecurity out of the introversion, and the enemy has repeatedly tried to attack me around that so that I isolate myself out of fear or out of a victim mentality where I've been burned when I put myself out there when I didn't really want to. Where are you most vulnerable? See, because of that, I have to know who I am in Jesus. You have to know who you are in Jesus. So why don't you write down a website right now, www.livesent.today. This morning, I posted a list of scriptures to identify that who you are in Christ, who I am in Christ. They're scriptures I go to to make sure I don't fall into the lie, that I don't get stuck in the pattern in a downward spiral. Go there, read it. It'll be up for a long time. Know who you are in Christ. And then know what your wooden stake is. What's the big lie that is already redefining your life? That you're alone? That you're a victim? that God doesn't care? Let me reiterate, Satan has no power over those who are in Christ Jesus. In a life rooted in truth, 
can be invulnerable. So let God make you strong in his son Jesus. Be empowered through relationship with him. Learn how to put on the full armor of God described in this very same passage. Tonight, we're gonna dig further through this concept because we're just scratching the surface and we need to understand how we work out of this and how this impacts our relationships and in community and how we really can stand and after everything stand. So I hope you can make it back tonight because there's far more, and I know this is a lot, far more to talk about. But life to the full is about who we approach and how we approach them who we believe and who we depend on, and that should be God through Jesus Christ because a life rooted in truth can be invulnerable. So here's how I want to end today, though. I want to invite you to stand. I literally want to invite you to stand right now, right where you're at. And I want to invite you to have a conversation with God. Cam and the team are going to come and wrap up with a little bit of worship around this moment. But we all have an opportunity right now to talk to God to approach his throne in worship and prayer and talk with him. And I want you to be honest with God. I want you to talk about this cycle. I want you to talk about where you've struggled in this. I want to talk about where you need to seek forgiveness. Maybe you need to repent as you shifted lordship and authority, where you need to maybe reconcile with others because you started to blame, harm, and remove others. And maybe that other is in this room and you got to walk over there and you got to ask for forgiveness because you believed a lie that caused a break in community. I want to encourage you to have the conversation. Maybe you need to move to do that. Moving, sitting down, maybe moving to a part, a corner of the room. You're just gonna kneel on the floor. You're gonna stand, you're gonna walk. Listen, I don't care what you do. I just want you to find a posture and a position where you can have an honest conversation with God. And you can get right and you can stop this as you lay hold of truth. We will have trouble in this world. But when we embrace truth, we follow God's pattern We live in the power and the purpose of the one who has already overcome the world. And that stinking enemy who messes with us. We are no longer a slave to this pattern when we walk with Jesus, when we lay hold of him who is truth and the truth of God's word. So I invite you to take whatever posture you wanna take Whatever posture enables you to have the honest conversation with God. I'm going to start the prayer, and then Cam and Olivia are going to continue it in a song. And then I'll be back up after we go through the rest of our time to send us out. But this is now your moment to get real and get honest and get free in the name of Jesus. Father, it is in that name that we come before you right now. And Father, we do so boldly, even though I know I have messed up and fallen into this downward cycle. I've believed lies and half-truths, and I've messed up stuff, and I've been outside your will, but you are a God of grace and truth and love, and you forgive. But Father, I realize that there are many people in this room right now who are stuck in that pattern. They're stuck. They're in a downward spiral. Some may be even at the bottom where they're thinking about the kill reality or they're engaged in the destroy reality. But Lord Jesus, I pray right now by your Holy Spirit, you would bring truth into that equation, that there would be repentance, there would be a turning, and it would stop, that the enemy would have no quarter in this place. The truth would prevail. We let go of that lie or half truth we've embraced that keeps us stuck and spiraling. God, we are not alone. We've not been given a spirit of fear, and we are more than conquerors. So, Lord Jesus, move in this space by your spirit. Speak in these moments. Reveal your purpose and plan. Help us to know and do your will as we depend on you. 
So as we each take whatever posture God, sitting, kneeling, walking, standing, laying totally flat out on the ground, speak and lead in these next few moments. Lead us into freedom, not slaves to that pattern, but slaves to you, the one who was and is and is to come. You unravel me with a melody. You surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemies till all my fears are gone. I'm no
I can say this because it's true. I'm proud of you. And I love you. As an alumni, that even has an extra hook, and as a board member, another hook. But I love that there's a community that cares about the things that we've been engaging, cares about the will of God and the purposes of God and his plans for our life. I'm proud to be a fellow journeyman with you. But I want to end our time not in reflective tone, not in mournful repentance, which is necessary and appropriate, and it's the place to start. If you have spiraled into that, you got to get back into the right posture before the Lord. But I want to end in celebration. I've asked that as we exit that a particular song be played so that our hearts and minds are thinking about that as we go, but I want to read a scripture to you first. The Lord preserves the simple. When I was brought low, he saved me. Return, O my soul, to your rest, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with me, for you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. Psalm 116. So as you go, go knowing that we are more than conquerors in Jesus. More than conquerors. The enemy has no power in this, only what we give him. So as you go today, I hope to see you tonight, but as you go now, go in the confidence, go in the clarity that we are more than conquerors in Christ. Lord bless you, and we'll see you tonight.